If you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's infallible and inerrant word? And it comes to us this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 11. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you are also saved if you hold fast to that word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, and am not worthy to be called an apostle, however, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored abundantly that they all, yet more abundantly than they all, and yet I have not but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Hallelujah. What a testimony. Thank you. Be seated. This is a very powerful teaching from the Apostle Paul. Um, I have a, as you know, I guess uh, Paul's one of my favorite teachers, and 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 I constantly look to him. Uh, and uh, and in this portion of scripture, he is providing us a message that is very important in the time in which you and I live. Uh, you see, Paul, as he went to the church at Corinth, uh, was encountering uh, a skepticism at some quarters, evidently a disbelief in the resurrection of the Lord. And, uh, and, and Paul wants to clear this up, and he wants to encourage, encourage the believers. He gives a testimony that, that, um, that, that this gospel which he preached, he had received, and, 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 and he encourages them to stand fast in it because it's the word that saved them. The message of Jesus Christ is the message that will save any person who believes. People sometimes talk about, oh, my past is so bad. Uh, the, surely the Lord could not forgive me. Surely the Lord could not love me. Oh, but he does. He saves sinners. I'm more skeptical of those. In fact, I'm exceedingly skeptical of those who would come to me and say, well, you know, I, I'm worthy of being saved. There's so much good about me. Uh, I never forget preaching a revival up into the mountains. And, you know, you, you can, you, you've been in a ministry, you can just spot people. And there was this one woman as I began the revival. I could just see pride in her face. Uh, these poor mountaineers, most of them couldn't dress nice. She looked like she stepped out of Saks Fifth Avenue. And, and I was preaching upon 
the need to be corrected by the Lord. And she came up after one of my messages and says, well, Reverend says, frankly, as I look over my life, I don't see the Lord has needed to do much correcting with me. And I said to him, Madam, I would never utter such a word. For if I understand Scripture correctly, those who are never corrected by the Lord are those elected to damnation. For Hebrews says, those whom the Lord loves, he chastises as a father does a son. I could give a testimony with Paul that I too am least worthy to be a preacher. But by his grace, I am what I am. By his grace. I always tell people there's nothing personally about me, if you knew me, to commend me. And every person who looks deeply into their heart will say the same thing about their life. We're saved sinners. And because we have believed in the gospel, we have a great everlasting hope. And that hope is that according to the scriptures, our sins were forgiven on the cross. That hope is, as Paul reminds them here, that, that the resurrection is for them. The resurrection is for believers. My little granddaughter down in Tennessee, KN, she's uh, soon before in, in, in August. And uh, Elizabeth and I were talking to her mom and daddy. And, and KN is already a deeply spiritual child. And, uh, and, and you're at their house in the evenings when the evening closes. You, you think you're at church for the way that family prays and talks about the Lord. Uh, I pray to God all our homes are like that. I wish mine was more like that when they were growing up. But she'd been concerned about salvation and asking questions about heaven and hell. And, and, and so um, Kay and uh, asked her mother to go see go see. Uh, Pastor Charlie, you know, we had him here for revival. That's their pastor. They went over to see Pastor Charlie, and she asked him a number of questions. He says, well, how can I know for sure I'm going to heaven? What a wonderful question out of a three-year-old. And Charlie said, well, honey, you've just got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior and ask him in your heart to be the Lord. So right there they prayed, and uh, and." Uh, and she invited him into her heart. She told Elizabeth, I says, I know I'm going to heaven because I've got Jesus in my heart. But while they were there, and this is the point, <laughs> she said, Pastor Charlie, what is heaven going to be like? And Pastor Charlie thought for a minute and said, well, I hope there's going to be lots of fishing and lots of horse riding. Because he loves to do that. And she looked up at him and says, well, Pastor Charlie... I don't have a fishing pole, and my mom is allergic to horses. <laughs> but whatever it is, it's going to be glorious. So I asked him, my old minister friend, Donald Moore, I said, Brother Moore, what do you think heaven will be like? You know, we can't imagine what heaven's going to be like. The term golden streets, which are there, and, 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 and crystal sea, which is there, those are really marvelous. But even those words don't grasp the greatness and joy that you and I, because we have believed in Christ, are going to enjoy the fruits of the resurrection. But he said this, and I've remembered this. hope you'll remember this when you think about heaven. He said, everything on the earth which is truly good. Now, that's truly good according to God's word. Everything on earth 
that is truly good will be multiplied by the infinite factor in heaven. You see, we don't have the glory, the language to describe the glorious experience of heaven. We have inklings of it. So we see through a glass darkly. But we know it's going to be wonderful. And we, we have hope in, the, in eternal life through the resurrection of Christ. But there are those about today who would, even as it was happening in Paul's time, would discourage you from believing in the resurrection. They say, how can the, how can the dead rise? I remember being at an illustrious university. I studied at some years ago. That hate this color, but but I, I was I was there, and 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 this professor said, "Oh, the resurrection, the literal resurrection, is impossible." I said, "Professor, do you know that as a fact? How do you know that? Were you there?" How do you know that? He had no answer. I said, simply, he, he had a disbelief. And I know who he'd studied. He studied this German fellow named Rudolf Bultmann who taught that people just don't rise from the dead. Well, that's, that's a statement made. You know, the only way you can say that statement is if you experience the fact that nobody has ever in the history of the world been raised from the dead. If you don't know that from your own experience, you don't know it. And and uh, and uh, but but there is a disbelief, and and uh, the more you look at our culture, the more the teachings of the Christian faith are being disrespected and disregarded. And I know that as believers, we sometimes feel the pressure of that. We may even have our questions or doubts at moments. But I want to preach today to encourage you to assure you that the resurrection is real. You know, when you introduce a, court, a case into court, you come with evidence, right? Well, what Paul has done this morning is to lay it out for us historically. A testimony to the truth and reality of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. What does he tell us? He said, well... Jesus, after he arose, appeared to a number of people. He appeared first, of course, we know, to the women at the tomb, but then later on to all the apostles. We saw last week as we studied that marvelous account of, from the Gospel of St. Luke, how the risen Lord came to those discouraged and disciples walking along the road to Emmaus, made himself known. Paul says he made himself known to Cephas, that's uh, the, what, the Greek name for St. Peter, he, he made him known to Cephas, and, and he says that not only him, not only the 12 apostles, but to over 500 other people in Jerusalem. And then he adds this phrase, most of whom are still living. Now that's valuable to know that. Because... If that were not true, the resurrection were not true, those 500 wouldn't have been there to give testimony to what he had to say. And they were there. 
You know, from the very start, the devil has tried to suppress the reality of Christ being raised from the dead. Did you know that? How do we know that? Well, from the moment he was raised, the soldiers, they fell over as dead. And when they came to, the grave was empty. They were terrified. They ran to the Sanhedrin and the officers, and they said, here's money. Tell everybody the disciples came and stole the body. And he's still trying to suppress that in people today. Did you know that? And so... We, Paul says we have this testimony of the 500 that bear witness that Jesus was raised from the dead. Go ask them. They saw him. You need evidence? Corinthians, look some of those 500 people up and, and, and ask them. Overwhelming evidence. You know, if you take a case to court and, and you can call 500 witnesses to verify what you say, you got a pretty good case, don't you? So we have this testimony of these witnesses. And then Paul writing about himself, you know, uh, one of the reasons I love Paul was that Paul had no pretenses about him. There was no, there's no pretense about Paul at all. He's describing his life. And his role as an apostle, he said, I'm the least worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. You know, before Paul was saved, when he was still Saul, his job was by the Jewish authorities was to round up Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem to be tried as heretics, and many of them were killed. All of them were very badly chastised. Can you think of that, you know? That, that weight on his heart. But he said, I'm least worthy. I opposed Christ. I was the servant of Antichrist. I'm least worthy. But by grace, I am what I am. Because on that road to Damascus, I was going up to Damascus to arrest more Christians. That's what he was going for. And on the road, we all know the story. He was overwhelmed by the brightness of this light. And he fell to his knees and says, Who, who are you? And Jesus, the living Lord, said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He met the Savior, the living Savior. Wasn't just an apparition, it was the living Savior. And we know the account that he rose up, couldn't see. They took him to Damascus to a street, a street called Straight. Instantly, you go to ancient Damascus, you can walk that very street today. So, over a mile long, straight as an air. Somewhere along that path. We don't know exactly where Apostle Paul was taken into a, a Christian's home and, and, and the, the scales fell from his eyes and, and, and he was instructed in the rudimentary of the teachings of the faith and he set out and never turned back. Now one other important thing I want to give to you this morning to encourage you when you are the teachings of the resurrection are attacked, or, or maybe the old devil even says to you, you surely can't believe that. He does that to us. The devil is 
a deceiver. I want you to think about the lives of these first Christians. And we're going to look at them just briefly. Some of them. Every single one of the apostles, with the exception of St. John, the writer of the uh, gospel and others, every one of them except him died a martyr's death. Every one of them. Peter was taken to Rome, and according to traditions, when they were going to crucify him under Nero, the same emperor that had the apostle Paul beheaded, my father talked about going down to the Praetorium Jail, and there's a section there with an open hole, and it's built across the Tigris River. There's a hole there, and there's a block with a curve in it. It's where the people were beheaded by the Praetorian Guard, who were the ones that kept Paul. He said, I wondered if that was the place where the apostle died. St. Peter was crucified, but he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like the Lord Jesus. So they crucified him upside down. St. Andrew was also crucified in, a, in, a, in, in an X shape. St. Thomas, doubting Thomas, touched the nail. He was convinced, friend. He was convinced it was Jesus. When the missionaries first came to the uh, eastern coast of India, to their surprise, they already found a church. Never been any missionaries go there before, they thought. And they all testified that, that they had heard the gospel from a man called Thomas. I went outside Madras to a hill where tradition has it that there the, the Hindus stoned Thomas to death for preaching the gospel. And we could go through the list of the rest of them. And the Apostle Paul, of course, as we alluded to earlier, beheaded. There was but one thing they would have had to have done to have avoided that torturous death. One thing would have been required for those apostles to live. To deny Christ and the resurrection. But let me tell you something, folks. When you know where real life is, when you know that your salvation is assured through Jesus Christ and that he's alive and he's coming again, nothing is a threat. What could they do to him but kill him? And even if they killed him, they knew they would live again. I think that's the most powerful testimony to the truth of the resurrection we have. That it was attested to by the blood of martyrs. But not only these apostles, many of the other Christians. A terrible persecution of the Christians took place in Jerusalem after the resurrection. And they, many of them fled to many parts of the earth. This unbelieving world needs to understand. They're starting to stomp on the gospel today. But let me tell you, when you stomp on the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you persecute his servants, and you, it's like stamping onto a fire in the forest that throws coals everywhere and new fires start up. As the old saying goes, the persecution of the saints 
is the blood of the church. So we look at this evidence and how can anyone doubt? How can anyone doubt the resurrection as a historical reality? Never let doubt touch your heart. You will find many refined arguments and I've read them all it's not nothing new really much in the world but they're repackaged but the evidence of the resurrection of the Lord as Paul testifies today and as the very lives of the saints testify proves it believe us what did John say in the opening of his gospel. You remember? He says the light. Has come into the world. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Unbelievers out there in the world today. They don't comprehend anything. Really. And if you don't comprehend that Christ is the light. You're blind. He says, and the light came in the world, and evil hated it, but it could not overcome it. Our Lord is alive. Now, one of the reasons I know he's alive is that he saved me. I know that. I felt it by his presence, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know he's alive. And those of you who have believed in him and given your hearts to him, you too know he's alive, don't you? And you see him con constantly involved as a living Lord involved in your life. Church of Jesus Christ, it is a time in our world to be bold. And the thing that frightens the world the most is the proclamation, he lives. It's the walk of those of you who know him and are assured of his resurrection. You terrify the world. They will hate you for it. But he is your hope and glory. The Lord is alive. And as he promised... We're going to be talking about the ascension in a few more Sundays. But as he promised at the ascension day, he looked to his disciples. He gave them the command to be the bold witnesses in the world. We need more of that. You know, the devil's forces, they're plenty bold to tell you things. I cannot believe what I read in the papers this week. That a member of the state legislature pointed to President Trump's son and used him as an argument why we ought to have abortion. I mean, this world is full of the servants of Satan. Did you know that? And they're quite vocal. But believers, we need to be vocal. And we need to boldly announce. We, we serve a living Savior. Resurrected from the dead. Who overcame death. And one of these days is going to overcome the world. 
and live in confidence and in assurance of the gospel that we have heard. It alone has the power to save. You know, I've been a big supporter of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've never been an alcoholic. Although, when I started the chapter up in Parkman, Ohio, and guided it along, and it's, you know, they'll have 60 or 70 guys there on a Monday night now, but, but when I left up there, they gave me a, one of the big books, you know, that the Alcoholics Anonymous uses, and, and they said to me the night I left, be the last meeting I'd be with them before I came back to Dixie's, they said, Preacher, we, we've decided, we took a vote, and we're making you an honorary member of this chapter because you've got to be an alcoholic to be a member, you know. And they said, we've decided that you really are an alcoholic. You just never got around to drinking the liquor. <laughs> Which I took as a great compliment. But I'll never forget the leader of that group. A great man said, Alcoholics Anonymous saved my life. And it does save many people's lives. But he said, only Jesus Christ saved my soul. That is a man that knows the power of the resurrection. And that guy's a constant testimony to it. Be assured, brethren, the gospel that you have heard from the holy word of God, from the testimony of the apostles, is the truth. And fear not, those who attack it or their attacks will be in vain. Your Lord rose from the dead. He's alive and he's with you now. Thanks be to God. Amen.